0: This is the Hiking Through Life podcast. We've all been gifted a journey called life. Let's see where the journey leads us today. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast, where we talk with people who, in some way, shape, or form, have been influenced by the outdoors. I'm Andy, the producer of this podcast, and my lovely wife, Sarah, will be your host. Together, we make up Hiking Through Life.
1: This podcast is all about bringing all kinds of people who are inspired by the outdoors and sharing their stories.
0: We hope that by sharing people's stories, it inspires others to get out and live a more meaningful life. Tune in every week for new episodes, or better yet, subscribe to the Hiking Through Life podcast on your favorite podcast provider. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with others. Also, if you have a story to share, or know of anyone who might be interested in being a guest on this podcast, head on over to hikingthroughlife.net slash podcast and get in touch with us. Now sit back and enjoy this week's episode.
1: Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Today we're joined by Brittany Freeman, who is an adventurer, a traveler, and a huge advocate for leaving our lands better than we found them. Most recently, she has kicked off the nonprofit, The 11th Essential, with the goal in mind to make stewardship a priority on every adventure, which is pretty awesome, And which I do a lot. It's quite simple. All you need is a garbage bag. <laughs> so thank you for coming on today, Brittany, to talk about this. Well, thank you for having me. So let's dive right in. Like, What, what is The 11th Essential? So the 11th essential is basically
2: a play on our 10 essentials. So our 10 essentials, you know, if you're obviously familiar with adventuring or whatever. So it kind of came upon as a joke. That's kind of the funny part about it. I was teaching my nieces about the 10 essentials and like leave no trace principles and everything um, on our hikes. And we always picked up, you know what I mean? Trash when we saw it anyways. and so. It kind of literally started as a joke because one day we filled up our bag that we usually brought, I mean, that we usually brought with us for our own trash. Like we were filling it up and it was, you know, always overflowing and then we're stuffing it in packs. And then so I literally joked with them that a garbage bag was going to have to become our 11th essential and then my light bulb clicked. So that was the moment. That was the moment. I mean, and you know, and it was kind of, you know, like if I'm in marketing, so I was like, oh, I could like really use that, like to, to push that like stewardship. Like, I don't want to say agenda. Sounds weird when you say pushing an agenda, but I could really use that to like enforce, like, that, that stewardship, like that can be easy, like and simple. And that's, you know, that's our biggest, our biggest part is just showing people that stewardship is as easy as packing an extra bag of, you know, any sort or anything for that matter. And just cleaning up on, you know, whatever adventure you already have planned, you know, it doesn't have to be where you are Putting together some giant cleanup. It doesn't have to be some big like extra effort that you're doing to be a good steward. It could simply be, oh, guess what? I'm going hiking this weekend. Anyways, here, let me just add this bag and boom, you're right there and you're set up to leave it better.
1: Well, literally like the crazy thing, it, it doesn't even need to be a hike for people who don't hike. Like you can do it on a walk around your block. I've literally been doing it a lot lately mm-hmm. and every time I find trash. Absolutely. Never fails. My
2: front yard, like that's the thing. I even do it in my own front yard. Cause like I live along like a field and like a little two lane highway by a high school. And so needless to say, I get plenty of just random things that end up, you know, right along my yard and it doesn't have to be a hike. And like, that's why, you know, we kind of said any adventure, it can be a walk around the block. It can be a hike. It can be when you go climbing, you know, you can clean up at the crag, you can clean up. I mean, I've had a friend who randomly, (laughs) randomly found some trash, like, ski mountaineering, like, and someone had like dropped something, you know what I mean? So it can literally be any adventure, big or small. It doesn't matter. It's just about that mindset change. You know what I mean? Into putting stewardship as a priority.
1: And so with doing that, I know that you said you had a ton of events planned for April and May, but obviously with our current situation of COVID-19, those are not happening. Correct. But so with this, when did the nonprofit really kick off?
2: Well, so we started, so it's been almost, almost three years now, two and a half, like since we first like started like you know, talking about the 11th essential. It's only been within the last six months that we finally applied, um, for the state nonprofit status. Um, because we did, we operated just, you know, basically me kind of, you know, funding whatever. I mean, cause it is, I mean, it's my passion project. And so we were just reaching all these people and we realized that there were things we wanted to do. And in order to do those, like we had so many companies like that we would talk to who are really vested in that message, but like, they can't like get, like I worked for our parks levy for instance, and like um, here, our local parks levy and it passed. And so like, he can give grants for things, but I have to have that nonprofit status in order to do so which is what we were kind of running into um so i mean it sounds almost like it was like it's not financially motivated but it's we want to extend our reach and the only way to do that is to be able to get those grants and things like that those things we want to do um to expand on because yes it's a message about stewardship but we're also a leave no trace community partner so with that it is our job to help spread that message, you know what I mean? And so we do that through youth education courses. We um, teach a couple, we teach a youth course um, that we've named Bigfoot's Buddies. So we use Leave No Traces, Bigfoot's Buddy, or Bigfoot's Playbook. Um, that's kind of where we uh, pulled the name from. Uh, and we use that that youth um, education for them. Uh, and we also want to put, you know, help parks we all know that our parks are very underfunded it doesn't matter where you go you're not going to find a park that's adequately funded and if you do i mean <laughs> kudos to them but with the influx of visitors now to our parks which is awesome people are finding nature people are finding all those things that some of us have like been privileged enough to to enjoy our whole lives or to love but with all of these people coming in now parks aren't able to keep up. So there's that gap in outdoor education. It could be because of access and anything like that. So we want to broaden that. So as many people as possible have access to those education, to that education, to those outdoor principles and things like that to better enrich not only their own experience, but everybody else who's visiting as well. So we want to really branch out into like the advocacy and like educational aspects, not just
1: that action. Well, yeah. And I was speaking with Phil who wrote the book, Nigel, the literature. I um, spoke with him yesterday and like, he's all about this too. He was such a huge advocate. He was so good to talk to. So, I mean, you guys are just like perfect like okay so that's funny because um we actually have like we
2: talk to each other a lot phil and i talk to each other a lot um because i actually um because i backed his book campaign and we actually per- and like back to get a couple books because my plan is to implement if that kickstarter goes through the nigel the litter hunter into our youth curriculum so I want to add Nigel, like the book into our youth curriculum with um, 11th essential. So Oh yeah. that's so awesome. He's, oh my goodness. I love him. He's like one of our biggest like advocates for 11th essential. So it's really nice to, to have somebody else who's, you know, that like-mindedness. So that helps a lot. <laughs>
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah, totally. So this whole like education piece of it, how are you guys going into like schools to do that? Are you going into parks?
2: So, so far what we've done have been um, events in parks. Like we did, well, we did a couple events in parks and then um, the school I work at holds like a kid's like career day thing. Um, And really it's more just like hands-on like stuff that kids can do and so I did it through that as well Um, so I've done it through school a little bit the goal is for school is to do it in schools that is our goal is to get into the elementary schools you know and make it part of because so many of them like especially where I live like, do so many field trips because we have so many state parks around us. And you're in Ohio? Yes, I am. I'm in Southern Ohio. So I'm in the pretty part. As like, <laughs> the not flat part. I'm in the not flat part. Um, and so, like, we want to get into the schools, you know, and we do have our board of directors is kind of spread across the U.S. And um, two of the other girls also do youth education. So the goal is to really, you know, get some sort of, curriculum that we can really implement you know into the schools at some point you know i think it's fourth grade the national parks do kids in every park where they get a free national park pass Um, i think that's fourth graders and so that's kind of the age group that we are we're thinking about targeting because of that to kind of coincide go hand in hand with you know hey here's some cool stuff okay now go outside and you know and practice those principles. So that, that is our goal is to do some within parks and within the schools as well.
1: It's funny you say fourth grade, that just seems to be the magic number developmentally. Cause I know in Minnesota, maybe nationwide, but in Minnesota, fourth graders can get a ski, a free ski and snowboard pass for the whole season. That's awesome. That's super awesome. So that's just like developmentally the age where peak kids start to gain those skills. And
2: you said Minnesota, which makes me think because a lot of my big supporters are in Minnesota. Minnesota seems to be a big 11th essential state.
1: Well, yeah, I had, um, I spoke with Ruth on this podcast yeah, Yeah. and she hosted like a whole 11th essential hike a few weeks back. Yes,
2: she did. Yep. She sure did. I love Ruth. Ruth's one of my favorite people. Um, Well, and then Jen, who she probably talked about, maybe she may have talked about. um, Yes. Jen um, is one, a groundskeeper with me through Granite Gear, who is based in Minnesota. So, um, and then, so we've, I've got a couple people in Minnesota um, through the groundskeepers um, that I've met as well. So,
1: so then when other people are hosting, because it sounds like you host all these events, but you're also outreaching to other states and Correct. then how's that work? You're sending them gear to kind of promote 11th Essential
2: so they usually um depending on what they're doing um we try to send them obviously you know some of the normal goodie stuff some you know stickers buttons whatever but we send um depending on what they're doing the leave no trace principal cards like or maybe cuz they have a couple different versions like they have kids cards cuz we give those out at all of our events so they have kids principles in front country and the regular um seven principles and a bunch of other like educational cards. And it's nice because then they can reference those things like they're made, you know, to take home, to snap on a bag and things like that. Or we'll also um, try to send them some of the reusable trash bags um, depending on you know the event what they're doing either to give away or to use and things like that so we try to support them by giving them some educational materials and some giveaway stuff uh, to help them not only at the cleanup but just to push that educational message
1: so people who want to do that are they just kind of reaching out to you for that or do you seek those people out Um,
2: It's a little mix of both. Um, I have some people who reach out to me um, and let me know about it. And then I have others who I notice and, um, you know, maybe I've been following whatever cleanup they're doing and whatnot, and and I'll offer um, some of those things to them. Like um, there's a girl, Chelsea, uh, that I met who lives in Washington, and she does a lot of these mother-daughter cleanups like, or, or not necessarily daughter, um, she has daughters, so that's what I think of, but, like, you know, like, adventure mom, like, cleanups and education, so, like, I sent her both the adult and the kids one, so the kids have that, you know, um, kind of kid-languaged 11th essential, um, principle things as well, so we kind of do a little bit of all, um, some other events, um, like, uh, last year for the women uh on the road camp out we did the principal cards for everybody you know since we were going to be in the desert and all of those things so usually it's through um some sort of leave no trace educational material that i send send out you know and like i said and the good old um button stickers those things that people really enjoy
1: <laughs> yeah totally those things are going to get the word out there oh absolutely <laughs> yeah i mean and through just social media, like that's how I found out about you. And I think it was probably through either Ruth or through Wandering Pine where I found this. And I was like, okay, I pick up trash all the time. Like why not start supporting what you're doing? Oh,
2: well, uh, Yeah. And, and so that's the thing that I found, you know, that I've loved the most, I think, since like kind of starting 11th essential is the the community that's already was there and like they've kind of pulled together. And then the other ones who pick up from that, because I am a hundred percent believer that stewardship is absolutely contagious. Like when I'm out on the trail and I'm picking up trash, yeah, there's a couple people who give you those weird looks, <laughs> but so many people start conversations instead every single one of those conversations is a chance to educate, to advocate.
1: And uh, for some reason he is just not having, dude, no, my dog is like, just so confused as to why I'm home all the time now.
2: Um, yeah, my big dog, like I said, we have six, my big dog, she's 11. And like, I've never seen her act like that. Like, wait, you just
1: said you have six
2: dogs. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And cats.
2: Um no, the, we have one cat and it's outside and it kind of chose us. So that was not like that was not an intentional an intentional animal. The intentional animals are the dogs and then we have two guinea pigs. So, yeah, that's the intentional animals and it wasn't really like we were like, "Hey, let's have six dogs." It was I had six, she had six, and we have the Brady Bunch of dogs. That's basically what happened.
1: <laughs> Wait, you had six dogs? No,
2: sorry, I had three, and she had three. Sorry, <laughs> I had three, and she had three. And it pretty much came together to form this four-legged Brady Bunch. So, yeah.
1: Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah. I, I just think one dog in my house is enough. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's organized chaos. Like, there's just no other word for it. Trust me. People are like, that's awesome. And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, I mean, I can't complain. They're all freaking adorable. But yeah, there's something else, too. I mean, you know, six sets of muddy dog paws right now. I mean, just every day. So, you know. But yeah. But they thanks Apollo for getting us sidetracked there bud he's just and he's usually the one who's just like asleep like I'm staring at the other ones that are back in here with me and they're just passed out one of which is my adventure dog that goes with me but he's just
1: I don't know you're he seems. so there's only
2: one adventure dog well okay yes and no I mean when we take them hiking I mean more than one, usually we can get two or three if it's just us uh, without an extra adult to help. Uh, But my big dog used to be my adventure dog. But now that she's older, she can't really like jump up in my SUV anymore. And she weighs 127 pounds. So it's not like I can like pick her up and really put her in there, especially when we're on the road for a long time, you know, and in and out. So I did take one of our other dogs who got Giardia on a trip from drinking out of the creek, and then got sick and then decided that she hates the car now because of it. But our other dog loved the car. So I was like, Meh, let's take him on a trip. And he loves it. I mean, now if he barely sees me move anything like related to camping, hiking, he is like sitting at the door, like, okay, are we leaving now? And I'm like, dude, I'm just going outside. Like, I mean, he's, he loves it. I mean, and everybody loves him. Trust me. He's like, I'm pretty sure that people probably like (laughs) more than me in some places. Last year at Outdoor Retailer, I'm pretty sure more people talked to that dog than to me like spoke to him first oh yeah so but I'm guilty of that same thing so I can't even be mad about it
1: yeah I think what I mean dogs are just kind of magnets for humans it's it's so funny it looks like you were you lived in an SUV for a while okay well I do okay so part-time like
2: I do like part-time like I do a couple weeks like since I do work at a school now given I work summers so I'm not as gifted like are lucky to get summers off but yeah i uh i do i convert um the back of my suv i have like a platform my grandpa and i built that i can slide like in and out and then yeah and so i'll go for depending on i either i usually try to go the long weekends at work (laughs) you know so i usually go like either like three to four days at a time or like a week or two at a time, just depending on what we have, so yeah, oh yeah, trust me, uh, that's what I had just told my wife, that I was like, you realize that I am backing that up to the fire pit in our backyard, and I am camping in the backyard this weekend, and then the forecast is like, no you're not, we're gonna thunder and lightning and rain, and I'm like, yeah, I'll just sleep in the house. (laughs) Well, hey,
1: in reality, you might be in the thunder and rain in a real camping situation. Oh yeah,
2: trust me, I get it. It's just when I think about the drying my tent, like, because my SUV has like a tent on the back, like, so when I think about like, drying that out, I'm like, yeah, that's not really worth it right now. I'm like, not in the whole uh, scheme of it, but yeah, so so yeah, it's, uh, but I do, but like, right. I mean, I'm just always traveling and like all my events that we've had scheduled for 11th essential, like literally my April, obviously, cause earth day and earth month was packed. All of my May was packed and now there's nothing. Now everything is canceled.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's just so sad. That's happening everywhere. everywhere. Right. You guys need a virtual cleanup. (laughs) I know. Well, which actually, so
2: I haven't posted anything about it yet because I guess I was kind of holding out hope for April um, and obviously- I think that hope
1: is gone.
2: (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, and I realized that like probably two weeks ago at this rate or at least a week ago, but I've been so busy. I haven't been able to like go through and edit all my stuff yet. Um. So this year's cleanup, like I said, last year we ended up not going to the gorge. We held a virtual and hands-on, like, because we teamed up with Granite Gear and the groundskeepers and Kula Cloth and like did a do. Because last year Earth Day fell on Easter weekend, and so it kind of like messed with normal Earth Day plans, like for cleanups. So we did a do good Friday. Where we like on Good Friday was like because that was like the nineteenth, so it was like the day before. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. So we did a do good Friday, and you and people could join virtually or come to the in person cleanup that we held in Illinois because I helped Illinois Parks Project kick theirs off. Well, this year, since our return to the Gorge um, event is kind of off the books now. We're going to do a virtual cleanup where people just all, and I'm going to do it all month long. So we're going to do April earth month where people can just go to the website um, or obviously I'll have a link in my bio on Instagram and they can just put in their trash tally, like what they clean up all month. And then we're going to pick random winners to get some stuff. I love that. So everyone can enter and then, you know, and so every time you pick up and register, that's another like quote unquote entry. So, and you can pick up all month long. You can, I mean, you know, so yeah. So that's what we're going to do. Try to encourage people for the entire earth month and encourage them to go around their house. Cause we know that for April, most people are going to be under a shelter in place. So it's, it's more so going to be cleaning up your neighborhood, rather than maybe necessarily, you know, your national park like you would.
1: That's the motivation people need right now. Cool. I'm going to virtually clean
2: up. I'm in. I'm waiting on June to go to, like, the only thing I have left in June, besides, like, my road trip, is Outdoor Retailer, and so I'm just waiting on them to cancel Outdoor Retailer or postpone it so I mean I'm feeling like they're probably just gonna be like "eh, we're just gonna mix all this together again in December with snow show and I'm like but that's when I can't like it's harder for me to travel then like no so we'll see how it goes so but that's like my big event of the year I mean that's I mean, that's the mecca of networking. And
1: so, what's this outdoor retailer thing?
2: So, outdoor retailer is basically the big trade show for the outdoor industry. So, that's where all of the gear brands, all of the buyers, like, that's where your retailers are going to buy. That's where your brands are going to sell. I mean, they have like, even all the way down, like it's so far down the supply chain. It's like, even just the textile people themselves are there. Like, and I mean, so it's, I mean, it's a huge event. I think last year on Tuesday, which was the first day last year, I think we did 30,000 steps, which I'm like, you know, that's, I mean, a lot more than we usually do, like, hiking, hiking sometimes, you know, on a trip. So they hold it in Colorado now is where it's been the last couple of years. And they usually do two a year, um, one in the winter and one in the summer. And then they usually do a snow show, they call it as well. But this year they combined the winter and the snow to- together together. But I mean, it's kind of crazy. Like I was really overwhelmed the first time I went and I'm a pretty big networking person and I was, it was pretty overwhelming um, at first. So, cause I went last year, not technically as the 11th essential, I went with Granite Gear, um, but I also was there um, as the 11th essential as well. And we made, I mean, we made some great contacts. It was really nice um, to, you know, to meet people, to actually get a talk but it is definitely a, it's an experience. So, uh, but I mean, it's just such a great, they have an area for just nonprofits and like startup brands. And that's the place where, I mean, that's the place where I like to spend a lot of time because that's where I met, a lot of people who kind of had similar interests um, and similar goals with their organizations. And that's kind of what really pushed me to also go the nonprofit route as well, because, you know, I am all, I mean, I could have continued on spreading the message forever. Cause like I said, I mean, it's my passion project, but everyone was just like, you really need to like expand this. And I definitely, definitely agreed after talking to people and seeing some other areas that we could, could fill in. So.
1: Had you not pursued the whole nonprofit thing, do you think you'd still just be like advocating it through social media and being like, get out there? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, not much has changed
2: really um, in that aspect because, We have our state nonprofit, but we're still um, waiting to apply for the 501c3. Um, So for the federal, like the one that like we really need. But that's mainly because like we have our board of directors set up. And so we're just kind of still doing like, because you have to have your bylaws and like all of these things in place to, to submit. And it's like $275 every time you submit. So like I would rather spend a little extra time and make sure I have them done well so that I don't have to like, cause it's not a big deal if they send it back. They're like, okay, this doesn't work. You need to change this, but I don't want to have to re <laughs> keep paying to resubmit. So um, we're just trying to get some of that stuff in order. Cause let me tell you, I thought that I really thought that I could handle all of that stuff myself. I mean, just from my own educational standpoint, because I have like marketing and political science. So I thought like my knowledge of like media law would help me, uh, no federal (laughs) nonprofit laws are a very tangled, messy web.
1: Yeah, I'm getting a headache just thinking about. Yeah, what like, you're explaining. I mean, just
2: the, okay. The the difference between our state application and the federal, like the state was like a piece of cake, and then the federal was like, <laughs> it was like some big like evil villain laughing at you with like the princess behind her, like, <laughs> and it's like okay. So, but we're, we're getting there. Um, Like I said, you know, well, for one, I was ready to jump into it. And then now with this, like I said, I work in education. So this has made me a little busier than usual. Like some people are, you know, I'm a little busier because I'm uh, handling all of our, like basically crisis communications. Cause that's pretty much what is happening in education right now. Because, you know, we have a, bunch of kids who are freaked out they're not going to graduate so you're like the tech person at the high school I'm not the tech I am our marketing and events coordinator so I do all like like I do all of our communications I do all of our social media across both buildings I do all of our ad campaigns from start to finish including the creative and everything else yeah Luckily, my ads have obviously slowed down because we're not really like advertising for any classes starting right now since they can't, um, but the the
1: social media portion has gotten a little crazy. I can imagine so. Yeah, I, I'm a teacher. I'm a preschool teacher, but I can only imagine on your end trying to get all of that out and answering all of the questions that all of the students and parents are having right now. Oh,
2: Yeah. Yeah, I've taken, I mean, I've had to field questions, like just some of the most ridiculous things to like things that are logical. So yeah, I've been doing lots of web page updating and like creating new pages. Like I created a virtual school where we can just list all of our teachers Google Classroom links because the kids, for whatever reason, just like are not wanting to check their school email where everything is sent to them. So we're having to make like this list.
1: Plus we have parents like, how do I know if my kid's not doing anything? Like, right. Yeah. Especially at that high school age, like that. Oh my gosh. Yeah.
2: Yeah, It's a, well, and like I said, and we're a technical school too. So it was really hard. Like, I mean, you can't really go weld online or like, do construction or any of those things like you know our our auto collision class can't really like drag a car absolutely not and it it. like
1: the families don't have those
2: materials no and like and we don't and I mean we're in southern Ohio so I mean we do have a pretty high number of families like you know under the poverty line and so like they don't have access to even internet or like yes. computers all the libraries have shut down like we're having a major access issue that we are really trying to figure out how to circumvent eventually i mean it's yeah it's been it's definitely been crazy and not only that even in some of our areas the internet just doesn't go there
1: like where they live
2: like right because we have so many rural areas the internet just doesn't go there. Oh
1: my gosh.
2: Yeah. So, but well, I will say though, like the question I like to kind of, I guess, tie this back, the biggest thing that I've been question, I guess I've been getting at least through the social media on 11th essential right now is how to still pick up trash. Like, because people are like, worried about the trash carrying the virus potentially, which I mean, it technically could depending on how long it had been discarded. Um, You know, I've read a whole, that's the one thing, I can't find any straight answers that match from any like two scientific things on how long stuff is living on surfaces, um, because I've seen a whole slew of them. And You know, they're kind of trying to get you not to recreate, you know, much further than five, 10 miles from your home. And so I've I've been really careful with, you know what I mean, that messaging now, because part of leaving it better might not necessarily apply to the trash. You know, like now I almost feel like our leave it better message is a little bit of, you know hey, follow the rules, like, you know, or not necessarily the rules, but like, leave it, leave people around you better, you know, like, don't necessarily, you know, go out like, oh, I want to pick up, you know, go hiking, and the trailhead is super crowded, like, yeah, maybe you should go somewhere else, and so now we're kind of, you know, I've been trying to kind of encourage people to do exactly what you said, like, walk around the block, I mean, that's been the biggest thing. And like, that's the other thing. You know, so many people walk their dogs. Those dog poop bags make great 11th essentials for like micro trash oh gosh, that you yeah. find along the way. So I mean, they really do. Cause that's what was happening a lot. Like I was filling dog poop bags with trash. Like, and that's why they were kind of, you know, I was like, you know what, I'm going to start taking like a full size trash bag, you know, and luckily I don't always need that. I always have it hidden. I usually have my reusable bags, but now I'm just trying to encourage people to wear gloves, use a grabber, you know, and and, mu- and as much as it kind of hurts my uh, sustainable heart like to maybe not use one of their reusable bags. You know, if you do have something that can be thrown away, a bread bag, you know, anything like that, that you can use and toss because otherwise you're going to be sanitizing, you know, your bags way more often than you probably like want to.
1: Right. Cause everyone's just paranoid that that disease and virus is on it. I mean, exactly.
2: So you just really don't know. I mean, that water bottle you picked up, like, you have no idea. So so I, even myself, I've had to like really focus on, you know, wearing gloves and a grabber because I will most definitely say when you pick up trash as often as I do you're like yeah it's a water bottle and you reach down and grab it you know and then maybe say sanitize your hands afterwards like when you're done but now I've had to be very very cognizant of like okay let me put on a glove here let me put this in my bag you know that type of thing and I will say it is very important right now as well um, if you do decide to recreate you know locally and things like that most park services have closed services. So even if the parks are open, a lot of them, because they are state employees, most state employees have been mandated to, you know, work from home or do whatever. So all of those park services are closed. So there's no trash, you know, and that kind of thing. So kind of helping remo- remember people to, you know, Pack in, pack out. Like, so whatever you bring up there, you're going to take back home and throw away. And so that's kind of been, those have kind of been the issues and the things that I've heard, you know, popping up. It's kind of reminded me of last year's government shutdown. Like, because I actually, we have a national historical park in our town. I mean, one of my friends happens to be the maintenance guy. And like, one of the sites is right next to, like, because it's like it's a national historical park, but it's like spread across like five different sites in our county um, because it deals with a lot of native culture, a lot of indigenous history. Well, one of them was just overflowing with trash all the time because he wasn't able to dump it, and the people at these apartments or whatever, just come down there and take their trash and just like dump everything. And I mean, it was like overflowing and sitting around it. And like, so I was literally like running the trash route once a week for them
1: because- No way, just like doing it on your own time.
2: Just absolutely me. Like one of the sites is like a mile from my work and I could hit it on my way home. And then the other one was on my way to the gym and back. Like, so I, and I usually stopped there to run anyway. So I would pick it up and like, yeah, it was, it was definitely kind of crazy. Like, but that's what this reminds me of a little bit. I mean, obviously they didn't necessarily encourage us to recreate during the shutdown, which our state is doing. They're like encouraging people to go out, but yet telling us to also stay home. Like outdoor activity is one of the things that's like the exception
1: to the stay at home order. Right. Because I mean, that's like the only place where you're not, you can isolate yourself outdoors. Right. But
2: they're encouraging so many people to go that I literally live like two miles from one of our state parks. And so we thought yesterday we'd give it a shot. It was so packed. Like, and it is never that packed. Like, ever except maybe in the middle of a summer afternoon and so we were like yeah this uh might need to go find a different spot I mean because I mean you you couldn't avoid people so it was it's kind of funny because they are they're encouraging so many people to go out and yet that's kind of just crowding everything else so yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting time. Cause like, this is my time of year where I'm like out teaching and educating and like preparing for like spring and summer adventures for people. And like, and now it's kind of like, all right.
1: <laughs> yeah. So like, I mean, I know you did have a lot of events planned. Like what's an example of one of the events that you were going to be doing this April?
2: Well, so we were going to do our annual um, Earth Day cleanup. Um, Even before I started the 11th Essential, I hosted an Earth Day cleanup every year in Red River Gorge um, in Kentucky uh, because I love that place so much. Are Um, you
1: originally from Kentucky?
2: No, uh, my stepdad is from literally 10 minutes outside of Red River Gorge, and I've never felt so blessed in my life (laughs) to have been... uh, you know, um, exposed to that area of Kentucky, especially because it's just phenomenal recreation. I mean, oh man, that's like a hiker backpackers climbing Mecca dream down there. And it is just great. So, um, but no, so I'm originally like from where I am in Ohio right now. So, um, I'm just right outside of Hawking Hills, which is.
1: We were there last summer.
2: Yeah. It was probably very busy. So I'm yes. sorry, <laughs> because that's why I always joke that I'm a three season Hawking Hills person. Um, and that's fall, winter and spring.
1: Yeah. But we went over to one of the trails that was like less crowded. Cause we had a dog, a reactive yeah. dog. So we did a little research on what trail, because we had to like drive a ways to get there. You were probably, you
2: probably drove to the second, to the, to the disconnected part of the state park. You probably went to Cantwell Cliffs, I bet. Yeah. 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 That was it. <laughs> oh, trust me. I, uh, yeah. I, all my friends joke. I'm like, literally like a Hawking Rolodex. I'm like, I'm like, State Park or State Forest? What's your preference? <laughs> like, here, let me let me tell you. Um, but yeah, I usually opt to the State Forest during the summer because nobody goes to the State Forest sections during the summer except for the climbing part, which is not where I go. So yeah, it uh, that or I go at literally 6 a.m. That way, by the time I've done my loop is when people show up.
1: Yeah, I mean we were there at like 9:30 and we could barely find a parking in the visitor center. Oh, absolutely.
2: And now uh, and was the new visitor center open last year when you were there then in the summer? Oh, I don't know if it was the new one or not because they did like a 2.5 million dollar renovation to the Hawking Hills visitor center. And so it's like amazing now. I mean it is fantastic. <laughs> i'm uh
1: you know yeah it was a couple levels it seems like they, so
2: yeah and, and i knew it opened sometime last summer i just couldn't remember off the top of my head if it had been open yet or not so but yeah i mean it is hawking is what started the 11th essential hawking hills is literally the entire catalyst for the 11th essential um because the the uh park rangers down there refer to me at well okay <laughs> but was, they lovingly refer to me as um the trash lady. So it is it, it's a term of endearment. It's fine. Um I mean it's a mess. I mean well that dogs, makes sense
1: because like Hawking Hills is a huge tourist trap almost now. Absolutely, absolutely a tourist trap in like
2: the worst possible way. They did the numbers, what was it, two years ago? Hawking had like almost 500,000 more visitors than Cuyahoga Valley National Park in Ohio. Oh, we went there too. Yeah. I do like some parts of Cuyahoga Valley, but like, I'm just like, but when you think of the size
1: of that park, because it's like spread. It was very spread out. Yeah. And it's it's like in the middle of a neighborhood
2: almost. Um, that's right. That's the weird thing about it is like, you're literally driving in and out of like all the little, like, like peninsula, like all the little towns in it. And you're like, wait, what? I felt like it was a County park. Yeah. Like it is. And it's like, when you go to some of the other side, it wasn't until I went to the ledges section that like, I actually like, really enjoyed it because we do a lot of I'm a part of women who hike and our Ohio ambassador is in Cleveland like I mean that's where she is so we have a lot of hikes at Cuyahoga Valley and yeah I just I never really liked any of them until we did like the ledges section which reminds me of hawking I mean it reminded me of hawking and so that's kind of why I liked it Um, but yeah, Hawking is literally the catalyst for the 11th essential. I mean, I pull so much trash out of that park that it's like heartbreaking. I mean, I usually do this little kind of six mile loop. That's my kind of my go-to and usually in the first like three, I mean, more than once I have filled an entire trash bag up in the three miles and like went up and had to dump it by the visitor center. And then they give me one of the Ohio State Park trash bags for the way back, like usually because I've maxed out my capacity for my reusable bags and everything else. That's usually the only reason I go down there in the summer is because otherwise in the fall, I'm just overloaded.
1: It's almost like they just need to hire you to sit there for all the tourists with all the trash. <laughs> you just gotta like talk at all the tourists. And the sad
2: thing is, is I'm not even like, they even have like certified volunteers who do that. Like who clean up the trash. Like supposedly, I always say supposedly, because I feel like I find so much trash that I don't know how somebody could possibly have like one of the times when I'd found that whole big bag, like a whole bag full in that first three miles, I went up to talk to my friend who's one of the naturalists um, and get some hand sanitizer mainly because they have, (laughs) they have their state park hand sanitizer. Um, But one of the other volunteers was there and he's like, I just cleaned that up yesterday and it took everything in my power to be like really but um but 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 it's the truth but it could be i mean i've been down there sometimes within the same weekend and found like all of this trash hawking was literally i mean hawking was literally the catalyst and it is because it is the flagship of our ohio state parks i mean any given summer fall weekend there's at least two to three tour buses of tour like legit tour companies that just bring people and just dump them. We got married in hawking in front of a busload of tourists.
1: I saw your photos. That didn't look like you were in a tourist, like it looked secluded.
2: Uh yeah. Um too bad. If you would have spun the camera around the opposite way, there would have been two hundred tourists staring at us oh I'm sure you're in so
1: many random photos
2: (laughs) oh yeah I mean I was like at one point like I was like shaking I mean I was just shaking like I'm glad this is gonna be quick and over with (laughs) because I just felt like I was in like a glass bubble on display for these people, and I was like trying to block it out because you know it was, it is one of the most like beautiful spots to get married in Hawking. Where was it in Hawking? Um, in Upper Falls, so it's literally like one of the most easily accessed waterfalls. Now, we did that on purpose though, because we have grandmas who can't like hike in you know because i would have loved to have gotten married at lower falls because lower falls is my favorite waterfall in hawking but upper falls our grandparents could still stand above without no. having to come down the stairs and and watch us and so that was one of the big reasons that we picked that location but because it does have, you know, quite a bit of stairs to get down to it, but it's right there, you know, we had to have a lady, like, hide, like, one of our, like, family friends hid to keep people from walking across the bridge in the middle, so that we could, so for our pictures, so they weren't, like, looking, lewing down, so yeah, but I'm, like, I paid for that permit, I got two hours, man, (laughs) <laughs> like yeah like, but yeah talking is uh pretty much runs through my blood so I mean yeah
1: I mean it sounds like it's just like a huge part of your life it's the 11th essential motivation you got married there it's it's a huge piece of you I could go on forever about hockey. We're actually hosting. Um if you've ever
2: heard of Wow Midwest, Women of the Wild Midwest? I've heard of it, but I don't know a lot about it. So they've been around a couple years now. So um I do some things with them with the 11th Essential as well. Um last year they hosted their first like weekend like weekend retreat and we did that in May in Wisconsin. Um we could actually see over the river to Minnesota. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> remember, I was like, okay, oh, hey, there it is. Um, so we did um, a cleanup there with that, as well as just presented um, to the attendees. Well, this year instead of spring, we're doing it in the fall at Hawking Hills. So we'll have, and it's a, I mean, it's awesome. Hey, you're in the Midwest. I mean, it is great. We have a couple people, I think, coming down from Minnesota this year. That's an event that I don't think, I think that I can still hold on to tightly that will occur because it's in October.
1: I think there's (laughs) hope.
2: Yeah. So I'm holding on tightly um, to October. So. And uh, this is
1: different than women who hike.
2: Correct. Like women who hike, I mean, I know they just did a camp out, but those are mainly, um, you know, mainly just like group hikes and things like that. Um, wow, Midwest is like a weekend retreat, basically. So you're going and you can try act- outdoor activities, or you can do your normal, act- or, you know, what mean? like, so basically, last year, we all just like, we all went to this place. And you know, there were like 50 some last year, 50 some women, and I'm talking like, all age ranges, all I mean, it was awesome. All ex- different experiences, age ranges, And we're just camp out all weekend and hike. And now given last year's weather, unfortunately, we had bad weather. And so it shut down like the kayaking and some of like those kind of things. But like this year in Hawking, you know, there'll be climbing and there'll be rappelling and there'll be all sorts of cool things um, on top of hiking and all that kind of stuff. So,
1: And you're an
2: ambassador for this? Um, I am... So basically one of my really good friends um is one of the founders there's like uh, a little group of girls it's like you know um the original founders there's like four of them well you know I help them any way I can anyway It's like um one of the girls is actually on our board of directors for 11th essentials so she and I obviously um talk a lot well obviously when they decided to have it in hawking I've become an honorary like planner helper since I'm kind of the hawking Rolodex. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm, pr- I'm, I'm looking forward to it. but it's a great, I mean, and you can find them. I think sh- they changed the handle to just wow. Midwest on Instagram. Okay. So you should be able um, to find them there. And it's, I, I just, anything that builds like outdoor community, I am a hundred percent for it. So yeah, I I mean, obviously you've noticed, I don't shut up. So um, anywhere that you can get me that I can find other women who just want to talk about, you know, things like that um, or anything like that. I am a hundred percent down for it.
1: Well, yeah. And I mean, I just think you're, that's clear. Like you love talking, but I mean, that's amazing for like the 11th essential, like you need people like you to spread this, passion around to everybody and anybody who can hear it.
2: I mean, and I mean, and that's literally like, I mean, that is basically, like I said, that is my passion. Like I have always been like, I was a hundred percent privileged and blessed to have a grandfather who from a very young age taught us to, for one, respect our land that we were on, you know, was very... Very much so, too, with like the history of the land, um, and things like that. Like, we have a very strong indigenous uh, heritage in this area, so I mean, that was one of the things that we were taught very early on. Um, because we used to find arrowheads like every time we plowed the field, like, and everything else. So, um, so we kind of had that instilled in us at a young age, and we were always. Always in a park or something, camping, hiking on the weekends. I mean, my cousin and I had, because we're only six months apart, so we had like that sisterly competitiveness where every time we'd go, we'd see who could earn the most junior naturalist badges from like the events at the parks. And so all of those things luckily kind of stuck around into my adult life. And then I was able to use my adult skills. To, like, create something that I really, I mean, I really, truly love. And that, I mean, I really, truly love The 11th Essential. And, I mean, and just getting out there and making a difference. Like, I have nieces and nephews that love to be outdoors just as much as I do. And in, you know, 30 years, I want my niece to be able to go to Hawking still and it not be a wasteland I mean just the deterioration I've seen in that park in my lifetime not even and now and not all of it is you know person related you know some of it is obviously you know the creek washed out half of my favorite trail and they've had to reroute it this year but yeah that's natural stuff that'll happen anywhere and right and but now that they've rerouted it now is where the humans are coming into play and they're still taking part of the old part of the new making their own trail in between which is just gonna make the rest of it a road even faster <laughs> and so you know we we i mean i've seen both um i just don't want it to be a landfill by the time that she's you know old enough to take her kids or nieces and nephews you know whatever there. so
1: well, yeah. And that's just right. Like people with a passion for the outdoors. I mean, it just sounds like the legacy has been passed on from your grandfather on to you. So clearly you're going to be passing that on to your family too. And that's how it works. That's how it worked in my family too. And I mean, it sounds like both of us are fortunate enough to have families that have done that for us and other people have found the outdoors in other ways, but no matter what, it all we're all grounded and and it's our job equally to take care of this land.
2: Absolutely. And I mean it really is our every time no matter how whatever we do, no matter what, even if we follow leave no trace to a T, even if we follow everything to a T, we're still creating an impact every time, you know, we set out. I mean every footprint is some sort of impact. To the environment. And so, like, what can we do to give back to those places that give us so much? And for me, I found that was by leaving it better, by picking things up, by not walking by, you know, that, you know, wrapper corner that somebody probably lost in the wind, you know, it wasn't like there intentionally, you know, and that's the thing I do find. I mean, yes, there are people who do just, you know, toss things, you know, whatever. But a lot of the things we find, I mean, are just things that are, I think, unintentional. The corner of a wrapper, you know what I mean? Your granola bar wrappers, things people don't realize can cause harm, like banana peels and orange peels and all those things that they don't realize, you know, could be harmful to those environments. Like orange trees don't grow in Ohio. So like (laughs) leaving those, you know, in the environment can throw those things off. So just those little things. And I just, and I just feel like that was the easiest way to give back. And I still feel like for pretty much anybody, you know, if you're looking for a way to give back to those lands that give so much to you, the easiest thing we can do is to take care of them and to leave them a little better, you know, than than we found them.
1: It absolutely is. And it's funny that you say that like it's it's there's so many not intentional garbages that end up on the ground because Phil was saying the same thing last night. So these two huge advocates for picking up <laughs> trash, you know, you guys are just so real in the fact that you know it is it's a mistake that happens a lot. People do this and there you go, folks, two huge advocates know that it's not just people trashing the ground, but just (laughs) mistakes that happen. So we as stewards need to pick it up.
2: Yeah. I mean, and that, I mean, and that is true. Like, I don't like, you know, I, I really, and that's why I think the educational piece kind of is what really started to grow in me, like the education and the advocacy, because people might be more mindful of those things, you know what I mean? Like now, you know, I make sure I don't rip a granola bar wrapper all the way so that there's no way that I can lose, you know, stay in one piece <laughs> right, of the wrapper. Um, because I know one time I lost a glove on trail and I about had like an emotional meltdown about like basically leaving trash because I had lost my glove I mean I probably backtracked a half a mile just because I was like no and and I still never I still expect to randomly find that glove one day in hawking. I really I was just gonna ask, was it at hawking? Oh absolutely (laughs) at hawking. And I do and I always expect to randomly find it. And yeah. But um I'm hoping somebody else, you know, picked it up and, and left it better. Um but it is and I mean yeah it's just education and that's those are my that is always my 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 three verbs. Educate, advocate take action like those three things together I mean really do provide everything we need you know we need to educate people so many people don't have access to not even just the outdoors but outdoor education like we are you know we want people to have access to those you know underserved communities or places that just are unable to find those wonderful things of nature but at the same time they also need that educational piece. It's awesome that we're trying to get them out, but we've got to give them a little information, not even just for the lands they're visiting, but for their own good as well. I mean, you know, like just for their safety and everything, like all of those pieces and just advocating. That word is probably my verb of the year, like advocate, advocate, advocate. I had the pleasure of, attending an advocacy workshop with Katie Bouye um, of Outdoor Advocacy Project, and it just reaffirmed everything (laughs) of my life, like, of, like, all the little ways that we can advocate and really make a difference. Um, Advocate is most definitely, I think, the word that we should really focus on because through advocacy, you are taking action. You are educating, you are spreading a message. So that's really kind of been my word of the year, I think so far, like to intentional, you know, my intentions for
1: the year. Right. Everyone needs a word for the year at the beginning of the year.
2: Yeah, I know. And my, my word the last few weeks has been I have used the word unprecedented an unprecedented amount of times. Like, I literally know how to spell that word forwards, backwards, sideways, and around at this point.
1: So, whew. But yeah, I mean, that's so huge advocacy for the outdoors. That's huge. And I like how you were talking about how reaching people who might not have any education about it. Does the 11th Essential have plans to reach those communities like in any specific ways? Um, that's my
2: hope. Um, I know, uh, I think once we get the local like educational things in place, which obviously, I mean, will happen first um, at a couple of these places. I do have a friend in Cleveland who works um, with some kids who would not normally have access to the outdoors. And she works very hard to get them outdoors. And so I believe that's probably going to be where we jump first to find out. Um, I am blessed enough to have quite a few friends across um, the U.S. who also are involved with getting some of the underserved communities outdoors. Um, And so implementing small pieces through them is kind of, I think, our first step, Um, just little things here and there. Um, I have I can't remember what it's called. It's actually got, it's actually a name and it's in a couple of the different national parks, um, on the West coast. They do like youth programs. Like he was in Yosemite for instance, man, I really, it's like an organization that ends up going into the national parks. And for the life of me, I can't remember, especially because right now they nixed it so far this year because he's at home. he they don't see him going back to Yosemite now because they're not really sure how long all of this is going to go on. So, um, but it's kind of like that. I mean, he takes them out on hikes and he like does all these things. And so, um, and he calls it, I think, what do they, what do they call a mop? I don't want to say mops, but it's like, matter out of place moops or something like, and so that's what they call like the trash. He put some of that 11th essential stuff into that curriculum. And a lot of those kids um, that take part in those programs are from a lot of the, you know, underserved communities who don't get that, that access. And so, you know, we've, we've, we've slowly kind of like put feelers out, I guess, you know what I mean? Over the last few years with a couple different programs and so I mean eventually I mean obviously in my in my wonderful world I would see that Bigfoot's buddies program you know in all sorts of schools and parks and everything um because it really does start with the kids and the kids get it like the kids actually get it you know and I a lot of my classes I require the adults to also attend Not because I want them to help supervise their children. I have four nieces and nephews, actually six nieces and nephews. I can handle a bunch of children at once, but I kind of keep the parents around so the parents hear that message as well.
1: Well, I think that's equally as important because you can tell a kid as much, but you know, the parents also need to know the why behind what the kid is doing.
2: Absolutely. And I mean, and I, and I do hope to also offer, I'm not just youth, youth is my main goal to start, but we also want to help supplement other park programs. You know what I mean? So all the naturalist programs, you know, we want to piggyback off of those so that we can, you know, help them, you know, and help teach the adults. Because what I found around here is a lot of people just don't I mean they've been raised to just go dump dump trash wherever it was, I mean, seriously, like in some of our state parks, like I stumbled on one the other day, and I actually didn't know what it was until one of my friends who works um for the ohio like e p a section told me I drug out like twenty five pounds of basically just like fifty year old glass off of a trail the other day that I had never seen i mean this is a trail that I have literally gone on once a week for probably three years. That's not even a remote, like overestimation. And I have never seen it because it's always relatively clean, you know, besides a, you know, wrapper here, you know, bottle there. Cause mountain bikers don't really leave too much trash. They don't really, you know, they don't have hands to do stuff with. And that's That's a really heavy mountain bike area. But then the other day I saw, I was trying to run and I decided that (laughs) I was not in the mood to actually trail run. So I was just like walking. And then I was like, what in the world? And so I did, I walked, I hadn't started very far. So I went all the way back to the car and got a big trash bag and I hadn't even like hit the tip of the iceberg until it was too heavy to carry and I started noticing all the glass was like from the sixties and the seventies and just all this old weird stuff. And then I rounded the thing in the ravine, it was like an old refrigerator and something else. So basically we've had such wet years the last few years that it's basically uncovered this horde of like an old dump site. Well, and it's like, okay, that's bizarre. So it had... Like that's a a refrigerator. Oh yeah. It was legitimately like a refrigerator, like some big, it wasn't a propane tank, but something that looked similar. And like where that state park is, there were a lot of old homesteads. Like if you take the trails, you kind of stumble upon them here and there. And like the cars that are still randomly in the woods, like I get it because they are from like the 40s and 50s and like these random old cars but like this and I found out after I cleaned it up my friend told me it actually could be protected by law. Oh for
1: like historical purposes?
2: Yes it could literally fall under a And my friend who works at the Forest Service backed it up because she said they have that issue a lot because used to, I guess, back in the day, there were designated dump sites and people would just come all dump their stuff in that area or the homesteads just buried it. And then, yeah, it's basically like falls under one of the archaeology like protections
1: but if this is a state park why isn't there any like signage and education about what it's there for then? the
2: thing is like I said it it hadn't really shown itself like and she told me that the problem was that there were so many of them back then that they didn't keep good books on that they do they just kind of end up appearing like the earth has basically decided now is it's time to reject it and so and and that's pretty much exactly what's been done here because the like we I we have had so much rain and just so much moisture over the last few years that it really has it's come down that ravine uncovered itself busted open And like where I found the glass was literally the trail of like the other runoff that comes off the mountain. So it had just literally just been dragging it and dropping it and dragging it and dropping it. So yeah. And like every step I took, it just crunched like under the leaves, there was just more glass. It was the most like bizarre and like heartbreaking thing all at the same time.
1: Right. Well, and the fact that like, okay, if this is protected, like, so people just used to dump all their stuff years ago. And now today, we're advocating to pick up your trash. It's just like, so. And I
2: mean, and that's the thing. And I mean, and that's one of the things I mean, I grew up around here, we always just burnt our trash in the trash barrel, like we had trash barrels, like, there's one still in my backyard from the people that used to live here. Like, I mean, I just have never taken it away. It just sits there for, I guess, decorative purposes in the backyard. (laughs) But um, actually for my cat to sit on to catch birds, more like it. Um, But yeah, I mean, so, and I find like, even in my yard, this is how I know, like, I mean, and this is why it is so important now, I think, to start changing that mindset. Luckily, like, it has changed over generations because my yard every time a mole pops up, it brings broken glass or ceramic with it. And my grandpa has lived in this area like his entire life. And so I was like, was this the dump beforehand? And everyone told me no, it was just that that's what people did. They bury some of their glass or their broken glass. And I'm right along a creek. So a lot of it, like they used to, they had a big flood a lot, like and so, yeah, my, my yard just kicks up glass, literally just kicks up glass uh, any given moment. You can walk to my backyard and find like a piece of broken glass.
1: So what happens when you mow the lawn? Um,
2: <laughs> um, luckily I have, um, I am slightly, luckily my dad owns a lawn care business. So my lawn mower is, like, a retired commercial mower. Oh, okay. So, it's tires, you know, hold up pretty, pretty well against that kind of stuff, um, thankfully. But I most definitely, like, I roll my yard more than probably anybody because I try to, like, smush it back down. So, yeah. It's crazy. I pick up whatever I can and it's just like, oh,
1: okay, well, here's some more glass. Oh, that is so interesting. And like, so ironic that you're like the 11th essential yet you're like living on a dump. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well,
2: that's what all the time. I'm like my front yard at any given point in time has some piece of trash in it because it gets thrown out somebody's window at some point. And I'm just like, really people? really i'm like <laughs> i'm like i wish you understood how this pains me to have to clean up every day but yeah so it is it's just it it's mind boggling to me and i actually noticed over cuz my yard drops down into a marsh and then the creek and i actually noticed where it came up so high this winter along my bank there's now like a bunch of trash that i'm going to have to wait until it dries out to climb down and get and I'm just like, really? <laughs> People are killing me here. So so yeah, there's actually a refrigerator that somebody tossed over the bank. Um, another, but this one's like a new one, not even a half mile down the creek.
1: That's going to be a tough one to get out.
2: <laughs> uh, someone literally had to stop on the road at some point and push it out of the back of their truck. That's the only way it got there. Well, for sure. I mean, that was very intentional. It will always blow my mind because there are still parts um, out in some of our rural areas where people literally, like, the little accesses to the creek, people back in there and just dump whole truckloads.
1: Yeah, Even by the park by my house right now, there's two just garbage bags. It's like, why? You guys have a trash bin. Yeah. I mean, it is crazy. I mean, we cleaned up a couch,
2: like a couch from a trailhead last year. That someone had literally like backed up like the beginning of the trails pretty, pretty wide. They had literally backed in as far as they could and dumped a couch. And at that same trailhead, there was like a laminator, like all sorts of stuff. And yeah, people just dumped it. I mean, they just dumped it.
1: And it's like, you know, that kind of stuff almost takes more effort than just Googling when is my city's recycling day? Right. When is large item pickup day? That's that's more effort to load it into the truck, drive your ass down to a park. <laughs> yeah, it, it blows my mind. But I mean, and that's why, like I said, I mean,
2: and that's why, yes, the adults, like I like the adults to hear the message, like, you know, that I'm telling the kids just because there are so many things that they might have learned incorrectly you know I mean and my favorite though I will say my favorite thing when I teach um some of the leave no trace to kids is when we do the like travel and camp on durable surface one because parents the dirty looks I get when I tell kids to walk through the mud and not around it (laughs) oh yeah And I'm always like, but only do that if you're on a trail. I'm like, don't just walk through the mud intentionally at home. But when you're on the trail, because I do, and I get parents that look at me like, excuse me, like, I'm sorry. And are
1: these like elementary age kids typically? Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, Most of the time I usually do, um, depending on the event, we've done like, three to eight and we've done like six to 12 so yeah usually in that uh I've only had one person over 10 so and it was the one when we did the six to 12 and I'm pretty sure it's just because her mom made her because her siblings were taking part because in some of the pictures you can see her standing with like her arms crossed like at the side and she is just not having it (laughs) (laughs) But then I also have children who are like, sometimes just blow my mind. I was trying to do, we do an activity um, with, about wildlife, about respecting wildlife where they have to pick an animal. Okay. So basically I just give them the premise that, you know, when we're outside, we're basically in the animal's house. You know, would you like it if somebody came into your house you know, and ate your food or, you know, knocked over your stuff, you know, and all of these kind of things. And so then they have to pick an animal and say one way that like something they could do outside might impact that, that animal and to make them think. And I had this little girl after we got done with that, that exercise, look at me and say, And I'm talking a six-year-old, way too smart for her own good, by the way. She also told me that she wanted to be a meteorologist and a nuclear biologist all in the same sentence. Oh, (laughs) sure, of course. (laughs) Or something like that. It was something completely like, all right, kid. But she goes, so basically what you're saying is natural disasters are to the human world what humans are to the animal world. And I was like, Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's the, I couldn't have actually made a better analogy. Very good. Yeah. Kids get it, man. Kids get it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they're just such sponges too at that age that if they hear it from an early age, it's going to be ingrained in their mind. And that's exactly what we need to be creating right now in this world.
2: Oh, absolutely. It's my favorite thing to hear. Like my mom texts me from the beach this summer. Um, She goes, you have these kids trained well. And I was like, what? She goes, we can't make it three steps down the beach without them picking up a piece of trash. And I was like, yeah, I kind of do have them trained pretty well. So I mean, you know, Um, so just anything like that, or like my dad, my dad and I are like, My dad is most definitely, we don't agree on a lot of things, um, but I mean, I've even gotten into my dad. Like I said, my dad owns a lawn care business. Last week he sent me, because, you know, mowing season has started and at least here, and he sent me pictures of like his mower loaded with trash that he picked up, you know, while mowing. Now, given I know he picks it mostly up because he can't really just run over it. But I thought it was kind of cute that he was showing off his trash haul to me. So um it means that at least something's sticking in his head. So yeah.
1: I mean, you're spreading your message to your family and that's yeah. how it starts. That's
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, whatever works for me, but I do. I mean, I when like I was talking about earlier about it being contagious, people pass me on the trail and you know it sparks conversations if even just a conversation about like when they say thank you you know just being like yeah you know i'm just trying to give back or and more than more than half the time though people say you know i didn't even think about that like i should just bring a bag next time or you're right i should bring a bag you know or they're like oh hey by the way there's like a bottle back there underneath that thing and they're like And that's when they'll be like, man, next time I should just bring a bag so I can get it myself. And I'm like, yeah, like it's really easy to do (laughs) so. So yeah, anytime that I can, you know, I mean, just the act itself, people see you doing it. And yeah, like I said, you'll get a couple dirty looks possibly here and there. I just assume those are the people that are littering when they give me dirty looks. <laughs> and then, um, and then everybody else, you know, is somebody who is seeing you take action.
1: So, yeah. That's all it takes. So where can people find more information on the 11th essential?
2: Our main, obviously the place where we're most active is Instagram and you can just find it at, at 11th essential, like the number 11, um, on there. And then we also have 11thessential.org. So we do have a website. Um, and that's where we house, you know, well, where we did house our list of events that's currently
1: empty right now. All currently on hold. <laughs> right,
2: currently on hold or postponed. Um, but you can also request, like if you're hosting a cleanup, that's a place where you can request, um, you know, if either I can either take part or whatever, I, if I can find a way to support you, like I said, with the tags or anything like that. Um, if I can do that, you know, you can message it there. Or if you just have questions in general, um, we have a um, a spot on there as well. But um, 11thEssential.org, 11thEssential on Instagram. We are on Facebook, but honestly, Facebook is just whatever I share on the Instagram linked to the Facebook for the most part. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a huge Facebook fan. So, uh, so we do. Um, so, you can find us at either of those places. And I was trying to think, I think that's it. Yeah. <laughs> like 11th, uh, the main two are the website and then on the Instagram. So,
1: perfect. And we'll be linking all those in the show notes for sure, too. Perfect. This has been awesome. I mean, your passion and your education and your wanting to inspire others, it's going to go far in life. I just feel like between you and Phil, There's going to be trash picked up everywhere and that is just going to spread out into the world. Absolutely. I know
2: I do. I mean, seriously, like I love Phil (laughs) and I really hope that that book gets funded. I've been pushing it on all the 11th essential channels on my personal channel, like anything possible to get um, that book funded. So but you know, it I think it's totally worth it. That's why I told him if I had even more to give him I would. But yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean I just fully believe in that and, and that message. I mean, him and I talk about that all the time. You know, his is the adventure responsibly with his other company, you know. And our messages have just always really fit together. Um, that's actually how I found him. Um I actually have a whole bunch of back when they were in Trotta outdoors I have a whole bunch of their stickers because they were like leave it better stickers and like leave it better than you found it and things like that so um that's been a nice uh that's been a nice relationship to have uh kind of bouncing those things off of each other and things like that so
1: well yeah totally and like you need people who are doing similar things like you too to kind of keep your energy and juices going.
2: Oh, totally. And that's why I mean like Granite Gear and the Groundskeepers program. I mean, there's your there's your, you know, Minnesota, you know, Minnesota made, man. Granite Gear, I love Granite Gear so much. But their Groundskeepers program, I mean, they literally outfit 30 of us a year to this is the 4th year now to clean up you know, Lance, I, we picked up last year, our groundskeepers team, I want to say we picked up 5,600 pounds of trash between the 30 of us. Like it was like, it was over two tons of trash. And then this year, um, 11 of us came back and then they picked 19 new um, people. And it's, I mean, without that group of like-minded people around me, I mean, it is very easy to get burnt out You know what I mean? On, on those things that you love and are so passionate about, especially when they seem very overwhelming and daunting, like, you know, stewardship sounds overwhelming. And that's why with the 11th essential, I wanted to make it easy. It doesn't have to be daunting, not even in the least bit, just bend over and pick up that piece of trash you passed.
1: Well, that's even like your website is so simple, just like the 11th essential website makes it, it's so simple. It's not overwhelming to look at and just see, oh yeah, it, it really is that easy to go out and pick up trash.
2: Yeah. And that's, and I mean, and that's literally such a big part of the message was the ease of it. Like it's not, it's not something that requires all this extra effort. It really is very simple.
1: Yeah. And like seeing your page and Phil's page, I mean, they are just huge motivators for me to get out even more and start picking all this trash up. And I hope it's going to be a huge motivator for other people. And I think it is.
2: And I hope so too. And I mean, and I really appreciate that because it is, I mean, it does take that motivation of seeing it, like seeing everybody out there doing it and creating that community within like, those people and spreading that message is yeah it's my yeah I mean I get like that's what I get almost tongue-tied which is because I'm just like yeah I just want to like tell everyone like hi (laughs) hi I'm Brittany and I pick up trash and I hope you will like to pick up trash too I mean (laughs) that's literally uh that's literally how I feel so
1: I just like to pick up trash that's a great great tagline pretty much (laughs) yeah yeah uh well this has been super super
2: awesome thank you very much for having me like I appreciate it I I really do love to talk about it at any chance that I possibly can so well thank you again for having me I appreciate it
1: yeah thank you this has been super super awesome I think I said this in Phil's podcast, and I'm going to say it again. The more you start picking trash up, the more you're going to want to do it. It's just a matter of starting. And people like Phil and Brittany really motivate me to keep doing it.
0: We went on a walk this morning, and we found some trash on the trail. And this is a trail that we hiked last weekend as well. And we didn't know if we had any bags. We had our dog's poop bags which Brittany had mentioned that you can use as kind of a small small collection bag as you're out on the trail. Especially if you have a dog, you always have those on you. So we thought, you know, maybe we have like a small bag, but turns out, actually, we had a grocery store-like plastic bag, so we could fit a little bit more trash in there. We ended up uh, filling it maybe three-quarters of the way full. Not only do those plastic bags that you get from stores make great poop bags. They make great trash bags as well.
1: Yeah, and by reusing those, you're also helping the planet. And speaking of the planet, Earth Day is coming up. Um, Brittany is doing a virtual Earth Day cleanup, and there's a link for that in the show notes of this. So everybody should definitely sign up and join her for that this coming Wednesday.
0: Yeah, I believe she also mentioned in the podcast that she's doing a virtual Earth Month and you can um, track your cleanup throughout the month of April and go sign up at that link. We'll have it in the description of the podcast.
1: And there's prizes, so what do you have to lose for picking up a couple pieces of trash, guys? Get out there!
0: Yes. The other thing that we wanted to share, too, is that Phil's book on Kickstarter, Nigel the Litter Hunter, it did actually get funded fully, on Kickstarter, plus a little bit more. So it's exciting. We interviewed Phil in episode 32 of this podcast about his book, Nigel the Litter Hunter. So go check out that episode and go check out his book when it comes out.
1: So get out there and get trashy. Thanks for listening. We love sharing these stories with you through the Hiking Through Life podcast and we're so grateful that you listen to this podcast. If you'd like to support the Hiking Through Life podcast further, we have these amazing new t-shirts and water bottles. The t-shirts come in four colors and the water bottles are perfect for trails, adventuring, or daily use. Consider checking them out at hikingthroughlife.net slash shop.
0: Use the code podcast and receive 10% off your first order.
1: You've been listening to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Peace, love, and hike through life.